I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us for some more incredible stories. Uh, if you are listening for the first time, we're happy to have you here with us. We hope that you enjoy the show. We hope that you w- would like to subscribe to our show and show the love and uh, join us every Friday for a new episode because we'll be here and hopefully you will be too. Yeah, we love having you. Truly we do. Uh, now, a few episodes back, I talked about my experience of being an extra in a TV movie, Flamingo Rising. It was a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. But today, uh, you are going to be sharing your story of working on the film Silverado as an extra. And and this isn't the first film you were an extra in. You've done quite a few. You were in American Anthem, White of the Eye, uh, The Berlin Affair, Silverado, Police Academy 5, um, am I leaving anything out? Oh, well, yeah, the Astro Zombie uh, Astro movies, Zombies movies uh, with Ted Michaels. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, Gary, uh, you're absolutely correct. And even though I was uh, accidentally in uh, Berlin Affair back in uh, 1969. No, that was the 70s. It, yeah, I think it was 1969, actually. Um, uh, and it was a TV movie, a movie of the week, CBS movie of the week. Starring Davin, uh, Darren McGavin. From uh, the Christmas Story fame, he played Ralphie's dad. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I was visiting Germany on one of my three trips to Germany uh, during those times. Um, and um, I was walking through the old Tempelhof Airport there in Berlin, and a, a guy comes running past me, and he's got a revolver in his hand, and he gets past me, and then he turns around and looks in my direction, and I say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm in Berlin, Germany for 10 minutes, and something like this is happening, unfolding before my very eyes. And then I hear the loudspeakers say um, they're filming a TV movie. <laughs> so uh, I, I ended up uh, in that scene uh, because I remember seeing myself uh, when it did come out on CBS as the movie of the week. And there I was, you know, with uh, amazement on my face. Uh, Later on, many, many decades later, I was able to get a a DVD copy of the uh, film. But it had been edited down by A&E to meet their time requirements. And Mm. so um, that was one of the scenes they drastically clipped. I was disappointed because it was such a climactic scene in the movie. And they only had a few seconds of that scene in in the movie. a&E version, so uh, I was disappointed in their editing, but that that was strictly by accident. But my absolute first paying job in the motion pictures came years later in 1985, uh, and as you mentioned, it was a movie called a Western movie called Silverado. And here's how that happened: uh, I was up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was an educational administrator at the time in New Mexico, and we were having an educational conference there at the Hilton Hotel in Santa Fe. Right. And so our rooms were right there at the hotel. And um, I got dressed one morning and was on my way down to breakfast. And I noticed that the room right next door to me 
they had a sign, hand-printed sign, casting. Well, a lot of people who aren't involved in theater and movies don't really know what casting means. Right. Uh, that's kind of a technical term. But I knew, I knew, I had a theater and speech background, so I knew what casting meant. Casting is placing people in plays or movies or TV shows, uh, accepting actors and actresses for different roles in, in different productions. Of course. So, uh, you know, the, the door was open and there were two or three um, uh, women uh, busy working back there and some uh, Polaroid pictures pinned on a uh, some kind of uh, board, uh, display board. And, and so, I, you know, being curious, I, I asked them uh, what was going on. And they said, oh, we're casting a movie called Silverado. Would you like to be in it? Oh. Well... What, what do you think your father said, uh, your father who is a, a theater major in, from college? What do you think he said? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. The heck with the meeting at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> School <laughs> or, meeting? What are you talking about? Yeah, or I, I'm I, going to Hollywood. I, I can go ahead and do without breakfast this morning. Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, uh, we'll take down some basic information. And they took down uh, my different sizes of shirts and pants and what have you and everything. And then they took my Polaroid photo. And mm -hmm. they said, okay, we'll be in touch with you. And that was it. So uh, zip, zip, zip. And um, uh, the uh, two casting directors who were there uh, were very famous, very well-known in Hollywood, although I didn't recognize them at the time. Sherry and Stacy Rhodes okay. uh, was their name. And they, they just cast a gazillion, you know, well-known well, uh, movies. So Sherry and Stacy Rhodes, uh, I got my first exposure to those two Hollywood casting icons. And uh, went about my business for the rest of the day uh, and forgot about it. Now, I think this was uh, probably the early December of 1984. Never heard anything back. <clears throat> Christmas came and went. It was New Year's, 1985. That came and went. And, uh, and so I figured, you know, I probably wouldn't hear from them again because uh, there was nothing going on. Then in the, the middle of January, I got the call report to this warehouse. And I think the warehouse, I don't know if it was in Albuquerque now or whether it was in Santa Fe, but um, they had this uh, large warehouse, and I don't think there's a large warehouse in Santa Fe. This might have been in Albuquerque, um, to come to be costumed for the movie. You still want to be in it? Oh, of course. Uh, so I reported, and there was this gargantuan, collection of costumes that they had brought in from hollywood i mean yeah. it was row after row after row after row of costumes and <clears throat> some of them you know were pretty famous some of the tags had famous stars name I, I remember one of them that said clark gable oh really yeah so uh they had uh, all these costumes available so i got costumed and then uh shortly after that uh they called me and uh I uh, reported for two weeks' worth of work. I got two weeks' worth of work. Oh, wow. I was hired by Central Casting out of Hollywood, which is an iconic casting outfit. Mm -hmm. uh, and Central Casting out of uh, Hollywood hired me or, or paid me. Uh, they were the ones that were in charge of my, my pay. And, um, you know, we, uh, we took a, a van from Santa Fe over to the set in a remote a village called Galisteo, New Mexico, which is where they built the Silverado set. Yeah. 
And uh, this was in February. And oh, it was the coldest winter I had ever experienced in my life. Really? Oh, my gosh. But my costume actually included long john underwear. Oh, did it? <laughs> yeah. So you were staying pretty warm. Yeah, Those Western yeah, clothes yeah. really you worked know, out I, for you. I had several layers. And, of course, Western Western clothes were made out of wool, you know, so I had these woolen clothes and this uh, long underwear, so I was pretty well prepared for the cold. And um, and so the bus would uh, uh, take us out to the set each day, and then uh, we stayed we stayed in a holding area next to the Midnight Star Saloon, which was one of the major parts of the set where a lot of the key action took place. Yeah. And uh, there was a stove going there so you could be warm. They kept us well-fed. Uh, there was great craft service, you know, of snacks and drinks in between. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think Wolfgang Puck was the caterer for the, the big oh. meals. And you could, you could eat like a king, you know, for, uh -huh. for your meals. And since you worked about a 12-hour day at least, uh, you usually ended up with three meals. And so all of that, all of that was kind of great. Um, and so after I'd been there, and I did the usual kind of extra stuff. So uh -huh. they had me walk by the windows of the Midnight Star Saloon, and they were filming inside. And so as you watch those scenes, you'll see different citizens walking by their shadows, walking by the windows of the Midnight Star Saloon. Well, I'm one of those citizens that walk by. Oh, you're one of the shadows. Yeah, so I was the shadow or one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I did a little bit of that kind of extra work. And, uh, and then um, the um, second assistant director who was in charge of the, uh, uh, the extras, uh, his name was Stephen Dunn. Uh, he really liked me and uh, took a liking to me. And so he uh, upgraded me to a special extra. And so I got placed in... Um, the group of people that were outside the Midnight Star Saloon when the uh, saloon keeper is killed. Mm -hmm. And Brian Dennehy, who's the crooked sheriff, moves into the scene to do his number. You know? Yeah. And so he brushes past on my left-hand side, and as he goes by, Brian puts his hand on my shoulder. Uh, well, that that wasn't scripted or anything it was just him acting you know yeah so he kind of puts his hand on my shoulder as he moves on into the scene and um, that particular scene uh, was shot by the still photographer also and for a number of years that photo was on the back of the vhs covers it was i remember seeing it yeah so i'm in it and and i'm recognizable you can see me and you can see me in it with my mustache and what have you and so for a few years my photo was you know around the world on the vhs back of the vhs covers for yeah. silverado yeah so uh, that uh, that scene progressed that way and I, I remember that his hair was all screwed up uh, he had obviously overslept and, <laughs> uh -huh. and uh, had come without combing his hair. Who knows? He probably hadn't brushed his teeth either. I don't know. But anyway, Method acting. He wanted yeah, to look yeah. like he had uh, He looked like he West. had uh, just been aroused from bed. And so he did that scene. And so that uh, at that point, I had been upgraded to a special extra, not just the kind you see shadows walking by the movies. So um, 
I was, uh, uh, you know, riding on the bus on one of the mornings after that, and there was this uh, black fellow that was riding the, the extra bus with us, and uh, he looked grubby. I mean, he looked dirty. Uh, <laughs> he did not look clean at all, and, and uh, you know, I, I looked at him, and I said, uh, you know, I've seen this guy a few times. He, he rides on the bus with us. He, he eats the meals with us, you know, uh, in the chow area. But I've never seen him work. They haven't called him to do a, a single scene. And so I started to get the idea, you know what? I bet they took some of the extras from the unemployment office and uh. brought them over and hired them. And the people who were there to make a lot of money as extras they would actually hide from the assistant directors so they wouldn't get picked for scenes. And if you're not picked for scenes, then guess what? You still get paid. Yeah, and you get called back day after day after day after day because you're not recognizable from previous scenes. Uh So they knew how to game the system. I, I, of course, wanted to be in the movie, so I did not hide. And so that's how Stephen Dunn uh, discovered me for the scene outside the Midnight Star Saloon and for later my really big scene in which I was upgraded as a stuntman. Uh Um, So anyhow, um, back to this fella. And I just got the idea, okay, he's one of these uh, guys gaming the system. He hides from the assistant director so he doesn't get called in front of the cameras. And he just comes day after day after day and, and collects a paycheck. Well, imagine my surprise months later when I'm sitting in the movie theater watching the movie for the first time uh-huh. and I spot him. Yeah. Turns out he's Danny Glover. <laughs> Turns out he's one of the main stars of the movie. And you Turns, pegged him wrong completely. And I had seen him just a few months earlier as the bad guy in a movie called Witness with Harrison Ford. That's a good movie. Yeah, I saw him in that movie. I did not recognize him in person in Silverado. Was that because he had a beard? I don't know why. But, I mean, I'd sat right across from him while we were eating. I mean, uh, no further away from him. And you didn't talk to him at all? No, I thought he was one of these guys from the unemployment office. (laughs) That's why why you don't uh, judge and, you know, you just talk to people. (laughs) Haven't I taught you anything? Yeah. So anyhow, uh, oh, can you imagine? Uh, ooh, boy, that was a mistake. You so could anyhow, have been best friends with Danny Glover. I could have. I could have. I could have engaged in all sorts of conversations with him. And Witness was one of my favorite movies. Can you imagine? He probably could have shared some the incredible stories. stories. Oh, my no. gosh, working with Harrison Ford. Yeah, and, oh. yeah. so anyhow, he sure was undercover because I doubt that anybody else in the bus knew who he was either. They weren't all gathered around him and giving him the star power treatment. So I'm not the only one. Uh, nobody really recognized who he was so i was quite shocked to see that but anyhow um i still have my big moment uh yet to come and Stephen dunn puts me in one that had the editor not edited it out in the final cut would have given me an actual screen credit really yeah yeah because uh, Stephen uh, uh took my name down and he instantly recognized you know my name because I've got the same name as the guy who directed the Beatles movies. So, yeah. <laughs> of course, that dawned on him. But um, there it was. Uh, and here's what I had to do. So, at this point now, I'm no longer an extra. I'm no longer a special extra. Now, I'm engaged in a dangerous stunt. 
And what I had to do is I had to leave one mark on one side of the street and run at a diagonal to the bake shop on the other side of the street and hit a mark there. And I had, I think, uh, yeah, Stephen Dunn was with me. So I had him with a stopwatch with me. And the stunt was to be performed with one of the brand new stars who was getting his uh, breakthrough movie role. His name happened to have been uh, Kevin Costner. And so this was Kevin's first big movie role. And so he was just outside of the town on a horse. And the script called for him to ride this horse at full gallop through the town and I was to cross directly in front of the horse as it was bearing down on me full gallop. And what the director had aspired to was that there would only be inches separating us so that I would be in focus, the horse's head would be in focus, and Kevin would be in focus as this occurred. So, That's a lot of coordination. So Absolutely. So there was no room for any kind of mistake because, you know, you can get killed if it doesn't go right and you get trampled by a wild horse now in silverado we had two horses we had a tame one and we had a wild one they were they they looked identical because on the shots where um you know uh scott glenn or 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 uh, kevin costner I, I forget if scott glenn actually rode this horse or not maybe it was just kevin costner but was it kevin klein no no he didn't ride this horse um but uh, in any event, for the shots that were kind of stationary where the horse was standing still, they had the tame uh, horse. And then this kind of wild one, he was for the running scenes. He was for the scenes where the horse would just take off. And so um, uh, once it was explained to Kevin what to do, once it was explained to me what to do, Kevin Costner came over to me and he said, uh, Rich, he said, you need to be real careful. I've never ridden a horse before. He said, they gave us about two weeks of a little bit of training on how to ride horses, and that's about it. He said, but I really don't know what I'm doing. Oh, no pressure there at all. He said, and I got to ride it bareback. And he said, they're going to have uh, about two or three crew members, you know, once I get out of uh, camera range to... <laughs> stop the horse so I don't go riding off into the sunset. And he said, but I, I can't tell you that, you know, I'm going to have total control of this horse when we're doing our scene together. And he said, so you need to be extremely careful. That must make you feel real comfortable. <laughs> no wonder nobody else wanted to do this. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens when you say yes all the time. Yeah. So anyhow, <clears throat> And, and Kevin, uh, you know, uh, loved the guy, uh, but he was, uh, he was extremely insecure um, on several of the scenes where, you know, I was uh, working. Uh, he, uh, a couple times, um, went up to Larry Kasdan and said, uh, uh, Larry, Larry did, that, did that look okay? And, and Kasdan kind of ignored him, and he didn't feed into this, and so... Uh, I felt kind of bad for Kevin uh, right before our uh, horse scene when he did that. And I said, uh, um, uh, this was in between some of our takes on the horse scene. 
And uh, I said, Kevin, from my vantage point, from my perspective, you looked terrific. You were the real deal from, from my vantage point. Because Kevin and I uh, practiced this scene for three hours, Gary. We did it wow. over and over and over down to the second stopwatch with the assistant director with me, uh-huh. stopwatch with the assistant director with Kevin, and we did it over and over and over till it almost became mechanical. Yeah. For three hours, we worked on this one shot, this one stunt. Yeah. And like I say, uh, Kevin was getting nervous. How come we keep shoot, shooting this and reshooting this? Am I okay? And so I, I cut in and I said, Kevin, from my point of view on the ground, with you barreling down on me, you look great. Mm-hmm. And then I'll never forget. He said, you think so? You think so? I said, yes. Yes, Kevin, absolutely. And so, like I say, we got it down to a, a mechanical thing. And so Larry Kasdan, uh, I love that guy. Um, I, I'll tell you another story about him. Don't let me forget. But he has a sense of humor. Okay. So he decided, well, what would happen if I throw the timing off a little bit? Uh-huh. What's the worst that could happen? An extra you, you uh, get stuntman gets killed? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that all? Is that the worst? <laughs> on the other hand, maybe I'll get the shot I'm looking for. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and directors, you know how they are, Gary. They always want to get the shot they're looking for. Of course. So he threw the timing off by just a couple seconds. Uh-huh. But boy, that did it. So here I am running full blast across the street, Kevin Costner bearing down on me on this wild horse. And I knew that I did not have time to clear that horse. Mm -hmm. If I moved out in front of that horse, I knew it was curtains. Okay. So I had to stop right before the horse got to me. You know, and I don't know what kind of amazed look I had on my face, but it had to have been incredibly horrible. I don't know what kind of look Kevin Costner had on his face, but it had to be incredibly horrible. And he went racing past me, and then I continued my run onto the bakery where I stopped. And I heard, cut, print, and a whole bunch of laughter. They loved it. They absolutely loved this mishigosh. They absolutely loved this screwed up scene. <laughs> Happy accidents. Yeah, yeah. It's so, better when life is real, you yeah, know. Yeah, right. So anyhow, uh, unfortunately, Silverado ran long, and uh, and the uh, editor who um, worked extensively with Lawrence Kasdan, they worked hand in glove just like Quentin Tarantino had his favorite editor. Carol Littleton was her name, and... Uh, she cut that. She, the editor for Silverado. Yeah, she cut the she cut that uh, that particular. You still see a few seconds of me, <clears throat> but you don't see you don't see the full version of it. So, anyways, that was my main uh, Hollywood stunt, which I worked three hours on with Kevin Costner. Now, when I was finished working for uh, on Silverado at the end of two weeks, uh, I said to myself, "I hope this movie." makes millions of dollars because Lawrence Kasdan is the kind of director that you would wish every director would be like. You know, he, re- he wrote um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I know. Uh, and uh, his, uh, his brother, his brother uh, was one of the co-writers of Silverado, Mark. And also he gave his brother um, a role in the movie. Now, Carol Littleton 
edited his brother completely out of the movie. He didn't appear at all. Oh, what was his role <laughs> in the film? Uh, he played some kind of guy. I forget what it was. I've seen it in the outtakes. But, um, you know, he ended up totally out of the movie. I was in the movie more than Kevin Costner's brother was mm -hmm. in the movie. And so, you mean Lawrence, Lawrence Kasdan? Yeah, Lawrence Kasdan. And so, uh, uh, anyways, um, Mark Kasdan... He was a friendly guy, uh, you know, he, he chatted with me in between uh, scenes at one point. And so what, what I liked about this family, Lawrence Kasdan um, believed strongly in family and family ties. And I know from uh, hearing some of the folks talk on Silverado that it was costing them $100,000 a day to shoot on location there in Galisteo, New Mexico. Time was really money, $100,000 a day. And yet Lawrence Kasdan, being the perfectionist he was, waited one day for an hour and a half for jet trails to clear out of the sky before he would resume filming. So, oh, geez. And also, um, it was a closed set, but uh, we were working on... February on uh, the three-day uh, holiday, President's Day, Lincoln's birthday. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of the um, cast and crew members could bring their families in from Los Angeles for that weekend, yeah. which they did. Kevin brought his wife and, and uh, I believe his kids. And uh, Lawrence Kasdan's wife was there and his two uh, sons, uh, John and the other one's name, uh, I forget, but uh, um, they were both there. In fact, they had been there a little earlier because he found a way to give them tiny little roles in the movie. So when you see a couple little kids running around with a line or two, yeah, those are uh, Larry Kasdan's kids. Really? Yeah. And so think of this. He gave his brother a role. He gave his brother, uh, put him on the payroll as a co-writer. And he gave his two little boys a role. Oh, wow. And then listen to this. This is the best part of this story, Gary. It was time for everybody to board the bus, drive down to Albuquerque, and catch the plane back to Los Angeles. And Lawrence Kasdan's smallest, youngest son started crying, started crying and crying and crying. Oh. He did not want to leave his daddy. Really? And here is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life in any of the movies that I've worked in. Lawrence Kasdan shut down this $100,000 a day production, put everybody on standby, took his little boy by the shoulder, walked him over to the steps outside the jail set. They both sat down on the steps outside the jail, and they had high-quality father-son chit-chat going on mm -hmm. for about 45 minutes. Really? And only when he was sure that his son had calmed down and was feeling good about things did Larry Kasdan then turn him over to his mom to catch the plane back to Los Angeles. And I, when I saw that, I said, now there is a director who's got his priorities straight. Family first, everything else second, including a $100,000 a day movie production. Oh, wow. And so I really had hoped that um, Silverado would, you know, 
um, be a, a, a huge moneymaker for him. I don't know that it was, but, you know, it's hung around and it's uh, had a VHS version, DVD version, gift set version. Uh, it had a, an all-star uh, ensemble cast, Scott Glenn, uh, was one of the lead players. And the interesting fact there was Scott Glenn and I both were theater majors at the College of William and Mary about the same time. Isn't that something? Yeah, so here was the main star and a special extra slash stuntman on the same movie set. That's unbelievable. Who had, uh, you know, had similar experiences in Williamsburg, Virginia in college. Linda Hunt, uh, she was in the movie... I mentioned Brian Dennehy. You mentioned Kevin Klein. There was Kevin Costner, who I worked three hours with. There was Danny Glover. Um, there was that fella uh, from England that uh, well, oh, he he played one John of the Cleats. Shows. Yeah, 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 from Monty Python. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he's chasing uh, after uh, one of the lead characters, and uh, they shoot his hat off, and he stops and. His hat's gone, and he looks at the can, uh, his uh, deputy and said, uh, "Today, my jurisdiction ends here." <laughs> <laughs> and he t- <laughs> turned around and uh, rode back to town. So, <clears throat> Silverado was a, a terrific experience for me. Loved every second of it, and uh, that was with Columbia Pictures. And as you mentioned, I did another one with Columbia called American Anthem with some. Yeah. Um, Olympic athletes, in fact, they even loaned my watch to one of the Olympic athletes because he needed a watch in his particular scene. So my watch was worn by one of the United States of America's Olympic team members. Isn't that something? Yeah, on that particular day. Uh, That was Columbia. And then uh, for um, Warner Brothers, I did uh, Police Academy 5. And then for Paramount, I did uh, White of the Eyes. And for TVM Global Entertainment, I did... uh, Astro Zombies M3 cloned and Astro Zombies M4 invaders from cyberspace and also had a small role in the Ted V. Michaels Spanish version of The Corpse Grinders 3. Oh, yes. That was yeah. all very entertaining Yeah, stuff. yeah. Lots of fun on the movie sets. But Silverado started it off, and I'll tell you to this day, Gary. It's your favorite. Yeah, and, and actually one of the experiences that I'll remember to my very last days. Now, uh, I was looking over uh, Lawrence Kasdan's uh, IMDb credits here. Mm-hmm. Here's some other movies people might recognize. He wrote the screenplay for uh, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Indiana Jones, Raider of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, he also did the uh, more recent uh, Star Wars, um, The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Solo, a Star Wars story, which is about the young Han Solo. Uh, so, I mean, there's a few other ones here, but those I would say are probably, uh, the most recognizable. Anybody who likes Star Wars, well, guess what? Uh, he's the one that wrote, uh, three of the movies. Yeah. So, um. And just remember, uh, folks, uh, listening, uh, to our story tonight, just remember that incredible as this man may be as a Hollywood creative artist, he was a family man first. Mm-hmm. So, uh. But definitely, he's he's got quite the uh, IMDb credits here. Yes. Um, oh, he also did uh, Wyatt Earp. Yes, he did, Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was a good movie. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Also with Kevin Costner. Right. So, uh, you know, and I, you know what? It's funny because when you think of Star Wars, you don't really think of it as a Western. But if you really think about it, it's a Western set in space. Mm-hmm. Han Solo mm-hmm. is definitely mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, you know, the 
the outlaw cowboy who uh, runs around with his uh, his, uh, amigo there. And anybody who's watched uh, Dances with Wolves with Kevin Costner and he stands on the back of this uh, racing horse, uh, just remember what I told you. Uh, He he clearly learned a little bit more after he he worked uh, with you. He developed some serious expertise after Silverado because he was pretty shaky about it in Silverado. (laughs) Well, that's definitely an incredible story, no doubt about it. And until next time, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And we hope that you join us again next Friday for another incredible story.